this podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The Darkness Awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys and welcome to episode 138 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I am Tracy. Woohoo! She's excited because she got to see Dog the Bounty Hunter and Beth uh, today in Leland. Like I shook the hand, held the hand, caressed his hand. The hand that takes down all the criminals. Aloha. <laughs> oh my god, it's so cool. And may I say, Beth looked absolutely beautiful today. She did. She's struggling uh, yes. with obviously a, uh, some cancer. Throat and cancer. We're just uh, wishing her the best, and we were able to tell her that in person. Yes, today, we so were. Pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. They're very nice people. But anyway, I'm a little starstruck. So, so we would uh, like to obviously start by thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. God bless you. We appreciate you every single day. We also want to say that we know that there are people out there struggling right now uh, just because times are tough or because they've uh, got out of a bad relationship or whatever the reason would be. Just know that there are people out there who are willing to talk to you in your time of need. Uh, Please remember that Not only is there the suicide hotline in America, which is 1-800-273-8255, there's also a text line, 741-741, but also Tracy and myself. And then we've got a beautiful group of people at our Hillbilly Horror Stories group on Facebook uh, that's about 3,000 people strong that is the best support group you'll ever encounter from your life, no matter what struggles you're, you're having. You know, somebody posted the other day that, you know, it was the middle of the night, and she just needed a hug, and her husband was asleep. And, I mean, I can't tell you how many responses oh she had. Oh, my gosh, of, yeah. You know, that's that's what we do. That's um, right. I, like I've said it a thousand times, there's nothing that we will ever be more proud of than the fact of how that group helps people in their time of need. Absolutely. You guys are the best. And I'm most honored and proud to know every one of you. I agree. So this week's story is another reboot from the old, old Ricky and Jerry Hillbilly Horror Story days, which some of you don't even know existed. Yeah. It's probably a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say anything. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so Ricky and I did, I think it was a total of 10 episodes, Mm -hmm. and we've redone a couple of them. Some of them we won't redo, but uh, we did Bobby Mackey's. We did Waverly Hills. Uh, What was the other one we did? We did another one. That was before my time. I don't remember. I know we redid it, but still, that was still a long time ago. <laughs> well, we did Robert the Doll. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so yeah. That, those three we've already redone. And there was only one other one that I wanted to redo. And we talked about it and thought about it and put it to 
the group for you guys to choose, and you all pretty much said, hey, yeah, let's redo it, which is the Myrtle's Plantation. Yeah, which is an awesome, awesome place. And the fact that we've been there now, where we I hadn't been there before, yeah. we can add a little bit to that. So I think it's going to be a very fun show. Okay, good. And I'm also excited because Tuesday we had an article that we were uh, very privileged to write for the lineup, which is one of my favorite publications. I've been, you know, using that and 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 looking at that for since before we even started the podcast. So it's it's all horror, it's all terror, it's all serial killers, which probably shouldn't be things I'm excited about. Yeah, but, no, I'm but like, I am. what's what's your problem? But we were pr- privileged to write an article for them, and that comes out on Tuesday. Yeah, so I'm very excited about that. If you get a chance, go to the lineup and uh, subscribe. You'll be happy. Well, it should be happy. I would. I'd be happy. Yeah, that'd be nice. Anyways, are we ready to jump into the Let's Myrtles? Do it, it. Okay, so obviously this is another reboot of the show. Ricky and I did just like we said. Tonight's story is the infamous Myrtles Plantation, and it's in St. Francisville, Louisiana, which is hop, skip, and a jump from Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. What What is it like? Forty minutes? Is that what uh, yeah, it was? Something like, like that. Forty minutes. Minute it's it's mm-hmm. not very far, but it was about. What was it, two and a half hours from New Orleans, something mm-hmm. like that. So this is going to be one of those stories that's got a lot of folklore and legend involved uh, into the stories that we're going to talk about. And quite frankly, some of it's just not true. <laughs> it's just, it's Way just, to burst our bubble, babe. And by not true, I mean completely made up. Oh, dude. So we're going to tell you the stories, and we're going to have fun with it. And we'll talk about what made... The Myrtle's Plantation legendary over the years. And at the end of the stories, we'll discuss what's real and what isn't. Okay. All right. So some say that the Myrtle's Plantation is haunted because of all the gruesome murders that have taken place over the last 200 years there. I will say when it comes to plantations, most of them um, do have stories and they're full of tragedies and the Myrtle's no exception. So like I said, some of this is definitely true and they've definitely had their fair share of tragedy there. So the house was originally built by General David Bradford in 1796. He was a general in the Revolutionary War. He became an attorney up in Pennsylvania, and he would eventually become known as Whiskey Dave. And that's for a very good reason. He was part of the Whiskey Rebellion, and rumor has it that George Washington actually had a hit out on him. Like our George Washington? Yep. Oh my gosh! And what the whiskey whiskey rebellion was is, is they were it's kind of like when you you remember, everybody knows about the the Boston Tea Party mm-hmm. they got pissed off because of taxes so they threw all the tea into Harvard to protest. Similar here, there was like really high taxes and high prices on whiskey, and he was really outspoken about it. And damn, I was gonna say if they did all the whiskey in the river, them fish would be drunk <laughs> as hell. Yeah, yeah, they didn't throw whiskey in the river, oh. but they were very vocal about the taxes yeah. and stuff. Similar situation. And because he was so vocal about it, you know, there was talk that George Washington put a hit out on him. And some of the other members of the Whiskey Rebellion actually told him that he should probably leave town. So he did. He fled Pennsylvania, leaving behind his wife and five kids in October of 1794. Why did he take them with him? You know, I really don't know why he didn't take them with him. I mean, I, I, I kind of looked at that because that was my first instinct uh, was to, to think... Why didn't he take them with him? I mean, because they could have maybe done something to them. Yeah, you would have thought. But he didn't. And he ended up moving to Louisiana. It was a place called Bayou Sarah at the time. And 
he built this eight-room house, and he called it Laurel Grove. And Laurel Grove, over the years, would eventually develop into the Myrtles Plantation, which the reason that people call it the Myrtles Plantation, if you've ever been down that part of the country, uh, all through Alabama, Louisiana, there's crepe myrtles everywhere, which are like little small trees that are Mm -hmm. beautiful flowers on them. Mm. And there was so many on the property, it eventually became known as the Myrtle Plantation. So he lived here alone up until 1799. That's when John Adams was the president then, and he gave him a full pardon. Nice. So once he did this, Bradford went back and got his wife and family and moved them down to Laurel Grove. This area was uh, under Spain's control at the time, and then eventually there was an uprising. We told you it was called Bayou Sarah. There was an uprising, and all that shook out and ended up being back under the control of the local people rather than Spain's control, and they called it St. Francisville. Mm -hmm. So that's how it got its name from Bayou Sarah to St. Francisville. Bradford would occasionally take in promising young law students, because we said he was a lawyer, lawyer, and one of these students was Clark Woodruff. He fell in love with Bradford's daughter, Sarah Matilda. They were married in November of 1817, and when General Bradford passed away, Clark took over the operations of the plantation for Sarah's mother, Elizabeth. Clark and Sarah had three children together, James, Cornelia Gale, and Mary Octavia. I don't know why they put them those names together. But, you know, in the end now, once you think about it, he did a good thing leaving them behind. For real. Cause wow. then he, well, because then he, if they weren't with him, then they might not be in danger. So he left them behind. And then once he got pardoned, maybe he. Well, and I'm sure that's probably, when you think about it, that's probably is the case. Because mm-hmm. he fled Pennsylvania, but. He pissed off George Washington, who was president of the United States, so it really didn't matter where he went. Oh, yeah, because they could have found him. It leads us to our first ghost story, and I'll tell you about that right after this quick break from our sponsor. So, according to the story, Clark was a decent husband and a, and a really good businessman, but he had a really active sex drive. Mm. So, he set his sights on a slave by the name of Chloe. Now, Chloe was an inside-the-house slave, which pretty much meant she had the best job of all the slaves on the plantation. Clark starts making sexual advances, and Chloe knew that if she refused, she would be sent off to work in the cotton fields, and that was the worst job Mm -hmm. in the plantation. So, I mean, we're talking about long hours in the blistering Louisiana sun with a brutal slave driver watching over them the whole time with whips where she's pretty much, you know, as as well as a slave could have it a day. Yeah. She had it, you know, as mm-hmm. good as possible. Yeah, that's being sad. Being in the house. I don't blame her. So she took what she considered to be the lesser of two evils and entered into an approximate two-year relationship with Clark. Mm-hmm. Chloe starts... Ninja, relax. Jesus Christ, dog, I'm trying to tell a story. <laughs> Chloe's starting to have several worries as Clark Woodruff seems to become less and less interested in her. And he sets his sights on some other slave girls on the plantation. Oh. So she's thinking, you know, what if he's not interested anymore? I mean, what if Miss Woodruff finds mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. you know, about the affair and then punishes her? So she starts eavesdropping to try to find out where she stands, basically. So Clark would have these business meetings, and she would kind of listen in at the door 
and any messages she heard that might have needed to be relayed to the slaves, like if they were going to trade a slave or something like that to break up a family, she would relay these messages out there. She would listen to conversations with Clark and his wife to see if her name ever came up, which obviously it didn't. But during one of these times, Clark Woodruff caught her eavesdropping. Oh, man. So Clark wanted to send a message loud and clear. So he demanded that Chloe's left ear be cut off to send a message to her, but not just to her, but to all the other slaves on what's going to happen on the plantation if you don't you know, follow the rules, basically. Obviously, Chloe was banished from the house after this. And from the fact of having her ear cut off, it left a nasty scar. And from that point on, Chloe wore a green turban to kind of cover up the scar in her missing ear. Mm-hmm. So while Clark Woodruff was away on business, Chloe comes up with this brilliant idea to get back in the good graces of the family. So it was the oldest daughter, Cornelia Gale's birthday. And it's important to point out for the sake of the story that Sarah was pregnant with Mary Octavia at the time. Mm-hmm. So Chloe's idea, uh, according to most of the, the stories out there, was to boil some oleander leaves and that would make a poison. Well, the elder leaves were all over the plantation, and everybody knew that you know they were poisonous. But she thought that if she put a little bit of this poison into a birthday cake that she was baking for Cornelia, that it would make the family a little sick, and bam, Chloe to the rescue. She'd nurse them back to health, and the family would see how much they needed her, and boom, she's back in the house again. Sounds like a good plan. Now, the story goes that the two daughters and Sarah ate the cake. They had a party. Like I said, Clark was out of town. The problem was she apparently put a little too much poison into the cake. And both of the daughters and Sarah all died from eating the cake. Oh, my goodness. Now, some say that she accidentally put in too much. And others say she intentionally did it just for revenge Mm -hmm. for how she was treated. Regardless, this caused a major problem on the plantation, as you could imagine. Oh, I'm sure. But all the other people knew it? Like the slaves knew it? No, they didn't. As a matter of fact, what happened was after they died, the other slaves were pissed that she killed the children. And could be also they might have been a little afraid of what would happen to them if they didn't take actions into their own hand. And that's what they did. So the slaves, because they were pissed, decided to take action in their own hands, and they went up and they grabbed Chloe from her room. They took her out to the yard and hung her from one of the trees. Oh, my God. They later cut down her body, and they threw her in the river, and they tied her down with some stuff just to make sure that she stayed sunk. And Chloe's body was never found. Oh, my gosh, Chloe. And then Clark was killed a few years later. So How do you mean? I just mean he was just killed. He just had to be killed. Oh, wow. That took an ugly turn. Now, before that, he had closed off the dining room after his wife and girls died, and it has never been used as a dining room in the Myrtles since then. Wow. Now, a slave with a green turban has continually been seen on the grounds of the Myrtles since then. As a matter of fact, there's a famous picture from 1990 that shows Chloe standing between the two buildings. We got to experience that. Oh, that's who that was? Yes. 
Oh. So the picture was taken because there was an insurance company uh, that needed some updated pictures of the property. Mm-hmm. And they specifically told them to take the pictures with no people around. They didn't want people in the pictures. It was just pictures of the structures. Mm-hmm. And they went ahead and just took pictures, nobody around. They sent them to the insurance company. And then the insurance company calls them and says, you know, hey, we specifically asked you to take pictures with, with no people in the in the frames. And they're like, well, there was nobody in the frames. We don't know what you're talking about. So they send this picture over, and they circle mm-hmm. a woman that looks like it's clearly standing in between the two mm-hmm. buildings there. Now, obviously, before this picture, there had been numerous reports of Chloe being seen on the premises. Mm-hmm. But this was the first time that there had been vi- caught, you know, yeah. any kind of a picture as proof. We've had people, we were told that there were people that had been awoken to see Chloe standing right beside the bed, just staring at them, just walking around the plantations. Others say that you can hear the sound of children crying whenever you catch a glimpse of her. It's like the two are go hand in hand. Yeah. But let's talk about the picture real quick. So the National Geographic Explorer filming crew determined that the picture definitely contained an apparition of what they believed to be a slave girl. This thing has been blown up. It's been dissected. I mean, this picture now, you're talking, what, 18 years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it 28 years ago? That's so crazy. And she was like in the in the breezeway between the general store and the butler pantry uh, of the mansion. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the... Now the general store burnt down. It yeah. burnt down right before we got there, and they were they're rebuilding we, it. Mm-hmm. But we were able to see exactly where it took place at. So the horizontal exterior boards out there on the building were clearly visible through the apparition. Yeah, and we'll post a picture of this so you can see it. But you can see straight through the person standing there, and see the, the boards, boards and everything behind her. In 1995, a guy named uh, Norman Benoit. He's a patent researcher. He requested to kind of check out the, the, the picture because they put it on postcards there. He enlarged it and did a shadow density procedure on it. He discovered that all of the physical measurements were that of human proportion. And while we're on the subject of pictures, there's also another picture that's pretty cool from there. It's uh, a young girl that's in like an antebellum dress and she's looking out a window. Now this picture was taken by a teacher they were she was there with a couple of students doing a field trip and she took this picture and behind the students is like a rocking chair and then right beside that is a window and you can clearly see an image that looks like a little girl in old style clothes in nice. the window so the picture's been investigated itself for years with still no explanation so there's two different pictures from the myrtles that mm-hmm. have a lot of evidence that say these are legit pics So let's get back to our story. 1834, Laurel Grove was purchased by Ruffin Gray Sterling. Now, Sterling was a very wealthy plantation owner. He owned several plantations in the south on both sides of the Mississippi River. And he didn't think the house fit his family's, we'll say, social status. So they added on to it. They made some renovations to the house. And then from this point on is when people kind of started calling it Uh, Myrtle's Plantation. Mm -hmm. So they even went to Europe to furnish the place. These people had some money. Well, sounds like. 
The Myrtle's plantation would be unrecognizable to the previous owners by the time it was all said and done. It was twice the size of what General Bradford had originally built. Now, Sterling died on July 17, 1854, just four years after the house was completely finished. But he had TB, unfortunately. A lot of people back then died Mm -hmm. of that. So the family seemed to be plagued by tragedy. They had nine children, and only four of them lived to be adults. Wow. The oldest, Lewis, died the same year that his dad did. From the same thing? I didn't see what he died from. I just Mm -hmm. saw it was the same, same year. The Civil War caused more tragedy. Sterling had left everything to his wife, Mary Cobb, when he passed away. She lost lots of the family's belongings to the Union soldiers. They pretty much came in and looted everything and just took it. Most of the, most of the wealth was gone by the end of the Civil War. So Mary lived in the Myrtles, though, up until she passed away in August of 1880. So let's go back to another tragic death during the time mm-hmm. of this, this Civil War stuff. In 1865... Mary hired William Winter to help manage the uh, properties that she had and to be her attorney. Now, William Winters was the husband of her daughter, Sarah. Now, this was a pretty good deal for them because part of it was that when he took over this, he also got the Myrtles as a gift for him and her, like, mm-hmm. a, like a wedding gift. Unfortunately, two years later, William Winters was bankrupt and he lost the home to the U.S. Marshals, who then sold it back to the bank. Now, Sarah was able to buy it back a few years later after that. Nobody's really sure what took place in between that time where she was able to get the money to buy it back, but that's what happened. So January of 1871, Winter was in the uh, the parlor. He was teaching a Sunday school class, and he heard a horse approach outside. I guess you could hear the galloping and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes out to check and see what was happening, and he got shot. There's two different variations of what happened next. One says that he came back inside after being shot. He stumbled up the stairway and collapsed and died on the 17th step. It's very specific. It is. Well, the the other version is the same thing, except he died on the 17th step in Sarah's arms. She was there and he Mm -hmm. died in her arms. Sarah was devastated. She never remarried, and uh, she lived at the Myrtles until she died in 1878, which was only a few years later. She was only 44 years old. Oh, man. Now, some will tell you that there was 10 murders that took place in this house, but the death of William Winters is the only one that's actually confirmed. Well, I mean, does it say... Who shot him or what happened? No, we're getting ready to get into that, though. Oh, sorry. After Mary died in 1880, her son Stephen Sterling bought the home. He sold it just six years later to a guy named Oren Brooks, mainly because there was just too much debt attached to the house, and he just couldn't afford to keep it. So then there was another sale to the Harrison Williams in 1889. Now, this family had tragedy as well, as they lost their oldest son, Harry, apparently... Um, during a storm. So there was like this really bad uh, storm going out. He went out to kind of gather the cattle, cattle up and he fell into the Mississippi River and drowned. Well, on it. In the 1950s, the property was sold to Marjorie Munson and the stories of paranormal activities kind of started flowing around this time. So there wasn't a whole lot of paranormal stories until the 50s, 1950s. Well, that's kind of crazy. wonder what took so long. Well, it's a good question. So we talked about the Chloe sightings, but there's some other ghostly happenings on there. 
Now, some people will tell you that when Miss Munson bought the property, she went around and started asking people, you know, she did. She wasn't from there. I think she was from Oklahoma, if I remember correctly, but she wasn't from there. And she was asking people and they were like, oh, well, they got this going on and that going on. And this is how the story of Chloe kind of came to be based on what other people were telling her. So she didn't know any of this stuff. And then so most of the things that we just talked about, she had people tell her about. And I think from that point on, some of it, the folklore and stuff like that just kind of started making its round. And then once she, I think she started publicizing it mm-hmm. and turn it into, hey, come stay at our haunted hotel yeah. or whatever the deal is. So that's part of it. So we talked about the Chloe sightings, like I said, but there's some other ghostly happenings. The people on the tours will tell you that there's at least 12 ghosts on the plantation. Of course, Chloe's one. Her There's also the ghost of two little girls that can be seen roaming the ground outside and sometimes inside. For example, if you're sleeping in some of the rooms, uh, two little girls will come in and jump up and down on your bed while you're trying to sleep. <laughs> Fun. Sometimes if you kick the covers off of you because you get hot, they'll tuck you back in. <laughs> Most people assume that that's the ghost of uh, the two little girls that were killed by Chloe. The room that they tend to show up the most in is a room called the Voodoo Room. Now, the Voodoo Room is called that because one of the children from a previous owner had either scarlet fever or yellow fever. It's unclear. But there was a voodoo priestess that was called in to heal the the little girl. Mm -hmm. And she failed. And they hung her from a tree. Oh, dude. (laughs) I guess if they bring you in to do something and you don't complete the job, oh, well. That was their thought process, I guess. Oh, wow. They say that in that room, sometimes you can hear chanting. Mm -hmm. Almost like it was something that um, would have happened during the voodoo ritual or something that was going on. The game room is another one of the more active rooms in the house. Supposedly, four people were killed in that room. Now, it's very common to see rocking chairs rocking out on the front porch all on their own. And the ghost of William Winters is often seen on the stairway that he died on. There at one time was a blood spot on the inside of the door that was the size of a person. Not only could it not be cleaned with a mop or a broom, but the mop or the broom wouldn't even be allowed to go into the spot where it was. Almost like there was a force field around it. <laughs> Damn it, you're going to look at my blood. You're going to look at it <laughs> I say You're not going to look at it. And, of course, there has to be a haunted mirror. Well, yeah. Because why wouldn't there be? So during this time period, it was pretty customary because of superstition that if someone died in the house, they would cover up all the mirrors. And it was believed that if the mirrors weren't covered up, that the soul of the person who passed away could go into the mirror and get trapped into the mirror. Oh, So legend has it that after Sarah and her two daughters died, that one mirror in the house was missed, and their souls are now trapped inside this mirror. We got to see that mirror. Yeah, we did. I do remember that. So there's a spot on the mirror that looks kind of like a handprint. Mm -hmm. And what's amazing about this is they've cleaned it. It don't come off. They've replaced the glass in the mirror several times. It comes right back, even with new glass. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the story of it. That's cool. And many people will tell you that if you take a picture of the mirror that you can see handprints in it, and sometimes faces show up in the mirror that wasn't there at the time that the picture was taken. Mm -hmm. 
tour guides will tell you that as they're walking around, especially over by the mirror, that they'll get tugs on their clothing that feel like when a little kid will tug on your dress or your pant leg. Didn't we have that young tour guide that was really, yes. talked really funny? Yeah, he was really young. He was probably about 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but. I mean, I don't mean talked funny like that. I mean, he was really into telling the Oh, yeah, the he, story. he told it as if he was from that era. Yeah, yeah. John Moss, who's the current owner, he's has owned the, the Myrtles for almost 25 years now. And he said that he's had quite a few experiences, mainly in the first 90 days. Of owning the, the Myrtles, and it, he says it's definitely haunted. Now, I saw an interview with him, and it was the first TV interview or anything if he had done of that nature in like ten years. He just didn't doesn't do interviews, and he said that when they moved in, they had a ten month old son and a two year and ten month old son, both of them boys, obviously. At least I, I said sons, so I guess <laughs> y'all probably figured it out. He said the one that was almost three years old was like Chatty Kathy. Is what he described him as. He said, but everything he was saying matched up to all the stories that they had heard about the house. And he said, what was funny about this is when he first moved in, he had somebody that told him, said, look, all these houses around here are haunted. They all have spirits. And you'll know in the first 90 days if they're okay with you being there or not. And he said, sure enough. That's the kind of stuff that would happen. There's all kinds of stuff happening in the first 90 days. He says he was not a believer in the paranormal until this happened. His wife asked a, a psychologist friend about the stories that their three-year-old was, was saying. And he told her that a child that's that age can tell a lie, but they can't conjure one up. And he said that at, at that age, he would be able to bring things up. But he wouldn't be able to just add to the story. Yeah. You know, and that's what, so they're saying that just anything he was saying. Sort of like that kid on the 411 story that I was saying, you just, right. you just can't make that stuff up like that. Right. And that's exactly the situation. So, you know, he said, based on this and all the things happening in the first 90 days that this kid was saying, it changed his entire outlook on life. Ma said he feels like that all of the spirits that he's encountered seem to be like guardian angels because it's always seemed warm and inviting. To oh, them. gosh, she's lucky then. So good. Well, and, you know, we talked about, I didn't even write this down, but remember we were listening where he was talking about where the general store burned down. Mm-hmm. And he said that the fire department told him it was almost like he had a guardian angel because that it was right next to the regular house. And they said, for whatever reason, it just, they got there in time before it spread. Mm-hmm. And, and there was like a, a huge gas water heater in the very next building. And if it had hit that, he said it would just, he said they'd have made world news by how big the explosion oh, would have been. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. Now, 30,000 people visit every year and 6,000 people try to spend a night there. And I say try to spend a night because not everybody makes it through an entire night. One lady woke up, and um, she said there was a man sitting on the end of the bed. That was a couple, but she wakes up. Husband's still asleep. She sees the man sitting on the edge of the bed. That's not her husband. He stood up, and he was in a Confederate soldier uniform. She grabs her phone, her keys, her house coat, and she went to the car, locked the car doors. She called her husband from her cell phone and said, (laughs) 
you might want to get out of there. <gasps> she did not even wake him up. She didn't even wake him up. <laughs> there was another guest that was staying at night, and she said that it was story night at the at mm-hmm. the place where they were actually just sitting there and people were telling stories. And she said she's walking by this couch, and she felt her knee hit something, like it was another knee. Mm-hmm. And she said, but there was nobody sitting on the couch, but the cushion was pressed down as if somebody <gasps> was sitting on the couch. Oh. And she said there was a man that was, you know, they were, she had not made it through. The rest of the group that was taking the tour had made it to the, the other room, but she was still kind of standing there. And she said that a gentleman that was on the tour with her kind of put his arm around her and kind of kind of pushed her into the next room. And she said the whole time that they were in the next room, he kept looking back as if he had seen something as well, but he never said anything to her. And then there was another group that was wandering around outside in the dark. And they said, you could hear somebody breathing while you walked and then you would stop and you could see the grass pressed down as if like invisible boots or something were standing there. Like there were footprints were in the shape of the grass being pressed down. <laughs> Gotta have been out there so fast. Well, they said they started kind of walking and then they got to like a gravel part of the walkway and they stopped real quick. And when they did, they said you could see the gravel in that, in a section where there was nobody at kind of pop up like a person had stopped so quick that it just caused a disturbance in the gravel. <laughs> He could have ran into the back of them. <laughs> <laughs> Most people feel like that they're being watched, and several people have claimed to see dolls move. There's one room they call the doll's uh, bedroom, and people say that it's not unusual. There was a, a, a news reporter that spent the night with her two daughters, and she said that they didn't know the story, and they both said that they saw dolls move. Mm-hmm. They also had a situation where... Uh, they were the only ones in the Myrtles at the time, and she the bed was completely made. And then when they came back in the room, it, the uh, comforter had been turned down some. So it was as if somebody came in there, and she said they didn't have any maids or anything on staff at the time. It was just somehow or another the blanket came from being fully made to being put down like, hey, we're ready for you to go to bed. Let's do it. <laughs> There's another couple that had a pretty haunting experience with about spending the night here at the Myrtles. It was their anniversary, and during the week, so there was no other people on the property. So that's the funny thing about the Myrtles. There's like a three-month waiting list if you want to spend the night on a on a Saturday night, Friday night, mm-hmm. mainly Saturday night. It's like a month long if you want to spend a night on a Friday night. But during the week, you can pretty much just call and get reservations anytime you want. So this is what they did. It was during the week. It was their anniversary. They get there. They find out they're the only ones there. They're up in their room, and uh, they're just resting a little bit. So the husband says he's going to go down to the game room. This is where four people supposedly died, remember? And he goes down there by himself while she's up in the room, and he said he felt extremely creepy. And he said even though they were the only ones there, it just felt like there was somebody always in the room with him. He went back up to the room and he tells his wife that, hey, that room's pretty damn scary. So they're just enjoying some quiet time. They're they're sitting there and they start hearing some heavy footsteps coming up the stairs. Again, they were the only ones in the building. 
the door was locked, but someone kept pushing in as if they were trying to get in. So, yeah. On and it knob. was one of those deals to where, you know how you'll push in a door where it's not completely, it's not a real tight, but you push and yeah. it'll, it'll make a little knocking mm-hmm. sound and you let go and it'll come back. That's what it was doing. They were just pushing and pushing and pushing and it kept making a knocking sound. So they knew somebody was trying to get up. And after a few minutes, the husband gets up to try to see what's going on. He opens the door and there's nobody there. The next morning, they decide, hey, it's daylight. Let's stroll through the grounds. Let's see what we got. So they're walking around, and they're talking about the death of William Winter, and they're taking pictures. And an image of what looked like a member of the KKK showed up in their pictures. Oh. Now, there's some relevance to this, because William Winters was very outspoken about his disapproval of the KKK, which was really growing in popularity back at the time. Mm-hmm. Most people assumed that he was killed by the KKK <gasps> because of this. That's why? And he's talking about it, and it shows up in this picture. The killer was never caught, and uh, the murder went unsolved. No, that is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, everybody was in the house. They just kind of walked out. And nobody was outside to see anything? No, he walked out there. Somebody shot and then drove off. There was a suspect that they thought did it. And he was he was one of the leaders of the KKK. But uh, for some reason, he was never tried. Wow. So anyway, so this, this murder was obviously unsolved. But they got this picture of this KKK mm-hmm. uh, member in his picture. And they also took a picture of the haunted mirror, and they saw a very similar image in the mirror. In the same room, they snapped another couple of pictures, but they didn't notice this till later, that there was an image of a woman in a Victorian dress behind them in a glass window of a door. It's like the reflection, but there wasn't anybody else there, so it couldn't have been anybody else. And they seemed to think that this was Sarah confirming their belief mm-hmm. that he was killed by a member of the KKK. That's crazy. So they didn't get any breakfast, continental breakfast or nothing? <laughs> I love where you go with these Because stories. there was nobody else there? Well, I don't know. I don't, yep. know, I don't know if they had food or not. There is a restaurant there on, on site, so I'm sure there was ability to get some food. I think that is the creepiest thing to know that you're the only people in that place. I don't know if I could do it. And I sure in the heck would not let my husband walk down and leave me up in that bed by myself. It's like when David was talking about being the only person inside the yes, mansion. I know it. I cannot do that. And I 100% believe you would go out and leave me alone in the bed. I would not. I would never. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll, why, why we'll agree I, to disagree. Why would I do that? I don't they know. They could get me on the way out. <laughs> What the hell am I going to do against a ghost? Well, I don't know, but at least if we go, we can go together. <laughs> That's it's crazy. nice for you to try to drag me down with you. Well, I mean, you know, okay. till death do us part. Yo. Well, that's right. Not till death do us together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about what's true about these stories and what may be a little fabricated. Or an outright lie. <laughs> Since we just talked about William Winters. Let's start with him. He was shot and killed, but he did not die on a stairway. He died on the front porch. So the story about him making it through and climbing up to the 17th step. Yeah, I was was thinking to myself, that's pretty dramatic. That's kind of like a dramatic death. 
like takes oh yeah but it's a it's the 17th step was so specific that it almost sounds like it had to be true hey i said that i know you did oh and i completely ignored it because it would have cut into my ending oh so i was still screwed it up is that what you're trying to say (laughs) some things are left you're you're a big spoiler that's what you spoiler alerts all over the place with you oh well, I don't realize I'm doing a spoiler I know it. alert. I know it. Yeah, you have no clue what the story is, so you don't realize it. Okay. <laughs> so we talked about 10 murders happening and saying that some didn't, but we know that William Winters did happen because, once again, that was the only one that was confirmed. The big story here, though, is Chloe. I feel sorry for her. Well, you probably won't. Oh. Because I don't even know where to start with this one. First of all... There is no record of Clark and Sarah Woodford ever owning a slave named Chloe or Cleo, because some people have told the story and said that the slave's name was Cleo. They didn't own any of those. Some people say that they didn't own any slaves at all, let alone one named Chloe. And the whole story was was wrong from that aspect. But remember back in the beginning of the story, I said that the Woodruffs had three kids, Cornelia, Gale, James, and Mary Octavia. I was thinking that has to be made up, because who has those names no, they, together? No, they, they did have those names. Yeah. But in the Chloe story, remember, there was two girls and she was pregnant. Yeah. That couldn't be the case, because I remember I, I did give you a little spoiler alert back here. I said she was pregnant with Mary Octavia. Oh. At the time that happened. So if the Chloe story was accurate, she would have never, Mary Octavia would have never even been born. Mm-hmm. And they only had a boy and a girl at the time. So there couldn't have been two girls that died. Truth is, none of the ladies died in this house due to any type of poisoning. Sarah died from yellow fever. It was during an outbreak on July 21st, 1823. James died almost a year later, almost exactly a year. It was like four days from being exactly a year later from the same thing. Oh. Cornelia Gale died two months after that, and I'm not sure what she died oh, from. Oh, gosh. But but none of them died from eating poison cake. Well, that's they, good. They, they still all died. Well, I mean, that's you know, you don't want to say that's good, but... We said earlier that Clark was killed like two years later. He was not killed. He died in 1851. And he was living at the time with Mary Octavia, who was born and lived to be a pretty old age. Oh, that's good. Well, I'm so glad that Chloe didn't get her dang ear cut off. She couldn't have because she didn't exist. I know. That was a horrible story because I was really feeling bad for her. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So she kills in the story two kids and the wife. And you felt sorry for her because she got her ear cut off. No, not particularly. (laughs) I felt bad because he was making her do these things she didn't want to do, but she was only doing them because she didn't want to be out in the scorching hot sun. I get that, but you didn't say that. You said you felt bad because she got her ear cut off. Well, I know, but I mean, from all the things leading up, because I just think it's horrible that the slaves had to endure that. And I hate that stupid word, slaves. I hate it. But um, I just feel bad for them. You know, and that, that that she felt like that was her only way of, you know, not having to do that. 
I mean, I'm not, I wasn't glad that she killed those people. I mean, she didn't mean <laughs> to do it. She just did an extra half a teaspoon or something. I don't know. She probably cooks like you. She I mean, might. I take my life in my hands every night that you cook. Well, I'll see you Unless we use HelloFresh. Oh. <laughs> One of tonight's sponsors. Thank you. <laughs> well, see, you're lucky because I don't cook that much. Yeah, HelloFresh <laughs> will never put oleander leaves in the package. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I did feel bad for her at first. So what do you think about the story overall? So let's talk about this. Tell me a little bit about what you think overall about the story. There was a lot of tragedy that happened there. No, no definitely. And when we went there, it was us, Forrest from uh, Astonishing Legends, and Maria, mm-hmm. who Maria Miller, who is the head of tourism for Atchison. So mm-hmm. if you guys come to the show, you'll get to meet her, and I'm going to have her on pretty soon. Good. But, like, you were hanging out. You were, like, with Forrest because y'all were, like, really serious into it. And mm-hmm. Maria and myself were kind of hanging out because we were kind of making fun of stuff. <laughs> And like, you don't, you don't unfortunately allow me to make fun of stuff. No, you just like that, or like I was cracking on the little dude that was giving us the, you know, stuff he was saying, and you know, Maria's sitting there laughing, and she's saying cracking jokes back, and I'm well, laughing. Well, it's just because the way he was doing it, he was like, I don't even know how to even say it. It's like. I know it was he like, was hear ye, hear ye. Well, it, it just, I don't know. It was really overdramatic. It was it was overdramatic. Yeah. And, but you still won't let me make fun of people like that. Oh, my typically. God. No. Anyways. Anyway. So let's talk about our time there. What did you think about the picture when you saw it um, of Chloe? That was, that was um, I don't know what I thought about that. You, I mean, when you, Do you know how many times I asked you I know, something and you say, well, I don't know what I thought. I mean, I mean, I really, I mean, um, I mean, you I know, I don't you know. I in your face. Stop it. <laughs> and I have a sharp instrument in my hand. I will gouge your eyeballs out. It's a paper clip. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Some of those pictures, honestly, that you look at, I don't know. They touch your soul. And I know that sounds kind of dumb. Yeah, it really did. No, it does because you kind of like look at you like look into their eyes and like you feel like you're kind of there with them or something. I don't know how to explain it. Do you remember that in the in the back room right before we walked out, they had the picture of the little girl, and they said half of it was painted while she was alive, and the other half was painted after she had passed away. Yeah. So this was like during the time where they fascinated with taking pictures and photography of dead people but like the left side of her face the left side of her it was like an upper body shot face and shoulders Mm -hmm. and the left side of her face was painted before she died now i don't know why you would just paint half a face i don't know either well it was what it was is she was on her deathbed already and they painted half of her face, and then after she died, they painted the other half of her face. So you can see a difference. Mm-hmm. But they said when people walk in there and look at that picture, they swear that the eyes are following you and all that stuff. But it, that was extremely creepy. Yeah. The picture of Chloe, um, regardless of, of whether there was a Chloe or not, this picture exists. And yes. there are people who see things mm-hmm. that do fit this description. So mm-hmm. maybe the sightings of, of a, uh, a young girl with a green turban created the story of chloe mm-hmm. maybe those sightings were already there and they had to have a reason as to what it was and and made it up not sure but these pictures that we're going to post uh on here they're they're freaky yeah no I mean, they are and, and they're two of the better pictures mm-hmm. i've ever seen showing this yeah. kind of stuff mm-hmm. 
it's really pretty cool. And they've already been documented that they're not fake. Yeah, and that's so the that's best the key. Part. Yeah, that's yep. the key. Mm-hmm. But we we got to look a lot in the at the mirror. Mm-hmm. And this is cool too that, um, and we might have touched on this before when we got back from New Orleans, but they don't allow you to use flash photography in there. Mm-hmm. You can take pictures, but you can't use flash because they said flash will. Uh, so there's a lot of original furniture and a lot of original wallpaper and stuff like that. And they said flash over the years will destroy it, which is I thought was odd, but apparently that's true. Hmm. I don't remember that part. What? We had a big discussion about that. How can flash destroy wallpaper? That's just something to do with the the whatever's in the light of the flash. But they said, and, and I guess since we now found out there's thirty thousand people a year come through there, that could be a lot of flashes. So yeah, I guess that's true. So it's a cool, it's a really cool place, though. You guys, if you ever get a chance to go, yeah, I loved it. It was fun, and they got little cabins and stuff out mm-hmm. back. It's a beautiful ground. Oh, it's really pretty. So it was kind of muddy that day we went, but it was it was extremely muddy. Yeah. They got a cool little bridge you can walk over. Mm-hmm. Got the really pretty trees. Those really pretty trees and stuff. Myrtles, crepe myrtles. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it it was nice. It was, it's worth going to for sure. So with that being said, you know we didn't even mention this earlier, but tonight is the last episode of Hillbilly Horror House. That will be. I said that really quick. That should have. Hillbilly Horror, Horror House. House. That will be played on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this ends chapter or uh, season one, yep. and it has become its own entity. It's its own podcast now, and you can go subscribe to Hillbilly Horror House anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Yeah, we're so excited for you guys. It's amazing. Tim and Natasha and John and everybody else involved has done such a great job with it, and the first 24 hours that it was on iTunes, it made it to... Uh, News and new and noteworthy, which is pretty awesome. Isn't that awesome? I'm so proud of you guys for that. And that happened because a bunch of you went and subscribed yes. and and left reviews and stuff on yes. it. So Thank if you, you guys. if you like the show and you want to keep listening to it, they uh, are in the process of getting season two together. But go when you get a chance and subscribe to it, and you'll get a notification when season mm-hmm. two starts. Yep. Tracy, would you like to talk about iTunes reviews and Patreons? I sure would. Uh, we had a lot of good reviews this week, and um, so I will start with Little Miss Lexi, Willie Chalker, Emmy Ann 0708, The Steve Bart, Mojo Lobster, Junkyard Steve, H. Chambers, Zertonic, Sari 36, which is Sarah B., Stealth Bomber, and Angie, 42345. You all left some really nice reviews. And uh, we love you all so much. Our new family. Yep. We're Thank so you proud. So, much. so honored to have you guys. Um, our Patreons this week were Jacqueline McKinley, John Applegate, and Alina McConnell. You yep. guys rock. Thank you guys so much. So we much. Yes. Appreciate Thank it. you so much. You guys, you make our day. You don't even know. The only show that I'm going to talk about is the Louisville show because it is less than two weeks away now. April 6th, Bishop James Long, who is an exorcist and demonologist, will be there. We've got Brohio, we got ourselves, and Louisville's own We Drink and We Know Things. This is going to be a fun event. I think there's 10 tickets left. So that's it. 
And there are a few tickets left. They added a 10 p.m. Waverly tour that the last I looked, there was a few tickets left for that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Rob and um, Nick still hadn't bought their Waverly tickets as of like two days ago. I was like, they were all excited about, we can't wait to go to Waverly, and they hadn't bought their tickets. Rob and Nick, get your balls together and come on. So, anyways. Thank you guys for purchasing tickets. We're so excited to meet all of you guys. Yeah, we cannot for, wait. Thanks for two sold out shows in Houston. Yes. And thanks oh for the gosh. sold out Bobby Mackey show. And I like how you said you weren't going to mention any more shows. I just mentioned those because they're sold out. <laughs> I didn't say anything about the Indianapolis show that's right after that with Justin Rimmel and the guys from Brohio. I didn't say anything about that. I one. know that you didn't. And don't <laughs> let it happen again. But the new shirt design is up. We've, yes. got the, we've got the new logo now that's got the wooden frame around it. Mm-hmm. That's phenomenal. Once again, Heidi has outdone herself. She's she's one of the most, maybe the most talented person I've ever met mm-hmm. when it comes to art. Yeah, she's very, very good. But everything's there. So if you want to go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com, you can buy tickets for any of the live events. And you can get merchandise that you might want to wear to those live events. Yeah. So, anyways, let's listen to the last installment of Hillbilly Horror House. I did it again. Hillbilly Horror House. Though you could get more subscribers. I'm just saying. (laughs) And we'll talk to you guys next week. Love you guys. Have a blessed week. Hi, and welcome to Hillbilly Horror House. We have put a lot of work into making this podcast a sound fest for your ears. In order to get the full effect, we highly recommend the use of headphones. Billy Horror House Lies, Betrayals and Secrets Three of Three I don't know, man, but that's kind of the reason why I brought you. Do what you do. Do your little voodoo thing. And, uh, make it quick. Oh, right. Um, Sage. Unrest spirits, you are not welcome here. Go into the light. What the hell? What? My sage blew out. That's never happened before. Um, Sam? I don't think this is gonna work. You think? Oh, my champ book! Well, do something! She's heading this way! Sam! Sam? Why is she calling your name? I don't know, man. I don't know. Son. Here it is, the vanquished chant. I call upon my ancestral brothers and sisters. Lend me your powers of the past to defeat this evil of the present. Sam, step it up, buddy. Help me defeat this evil in front of me and vanquish it back to the dark regions in which it came. I command thee. Dude, nothing's happening. I command thee. I command thee. Sam! 
David! Get away from my man, you bitch! It's not possible. No. What in the living hell was that? I... I don't know. I just saw a woman coming after you two when I got angry. David, well, who... I think maybe we need to be asking Sam. It did call him son. Son? Sam? I don't know why she called me son. But the real question is, who the hell are you, Amber? What? Yeah, Amber, it called you the queen. The queen of what? Yeah, and it was awfully scared of you. I I don't know, guys, honestly. Sam, we've known each other since grade school. You know every little thing about me. I have no secrets. She's right. I would know if anybody would. Look, you're my wife. I trust you. We'll figure this out. But Amber, why are you here? I told you we'd be back in a few hours. Yeah, and that was four hours ago. No, we just spoke like 15 minutes ago. He's right. I was with him when you called right after Right after he cleared all the rooms to make sure there was nobody in the house. Sam, do you know anyone who can take care of this little problem for us? Little? How can you call that little? Did you not see what was coming after us? Shh. The grown-ups are speaking now. Yeah, I can call my high priestess. She should know someone who can cleanse the house. Thanks, Sam. I owe you one. Now, come on. I have supper ready for us at the house. You know, I am a little upset, though. Yeah? Why? Because I thought I was the only queen in this group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I've been drinking. I've been running around. I've been losing every single... Uh, that was delicious. Amber, thank you for having me over. You need to come visit us more often, Sam. We miss you. I have a feeling that's probably going to happen, but I need to go. It's getting late, and I have no idea how I'm going to be getting to sleep after today. Oh, man. Yeah. Tell me about it. Oh, it's been a real living nightmare. Hello, Ambien, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. (laughs) Good night, Sam. Thank you for everything you've done tonight, Sam. We'll talk to you soon. Good night, you two. Don't let the bedbugs bite. Now get out of here, you troublemaker. Well? Well, sit down. We need to talk about this. Talk about what? Don't act like you don't know. We need to talk about everything that happened. Amber, we cannot ignore this. I know, I know. Look, I know you love that old tore down house. Lord knows why. But there was some real freaky exorcist crap that went down tonight. I understand. It was some scary stuff for sure. But you heard Sam. He has people who can cleanse the house. It'll be fine. Are you serious right now? How can you sit there and be so calm? 
I, I cannot believe you still want to go through this after everything that just happened. Yes, David, I do. Are you serious right now? How can you stay so calm? I cannot believe after everything that just happened, you still want to go through this. No. No, I, I can't do it. I can't put myself or you through this. We cannot raise a family in that hell house. It's not safe. But it will be when Sam's friends cleanse it. No, no. Why are you so determined on this? I don't know. Did I miss something? I don't know why. It calls to me, David. It comes to me in my dreams. I'm just drawn to that house. I can't explain it. I don't know how to explain it. I just have to be there. I'm calling Tracy first thing in the morning and telling her no. You can't do that, David. <laughs> Why not, Amber? Because I already put a bid on it. You did what? Thanks for joining us for season one of Hillbilly Horror House. We hope that you enjoyed it. We will be working on season two soon and will release updates on the progress. If you enjoyed season one, please go to the Hillbilly Horror Stories Facebook page and let us know. While you're there, give us your predictions on season two or even the show itself. What do you think will happen next? Let us know. See you later. Hey, Hillbillies. If you guys enjoy what we do here on the show every week and appreciate all the hard work we put into it, consider being one of our Patreon supporters. All you got to do is go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Click on the tab for donations and you'll see the Patreon link right there. Click on it and you can go to our Patreon page. Then you will have a decision to make. You can choose the $1, the $3, the $5, or the $10 donation. Each one gets you different things a month, but regardless, you get some free stuff. Just check out the bonuses under each tier, and you'll see what you get for free for that month, but you'll get something free regardless. Also, if you'd like to buy any Hillbilly Horror Story merch, you're also in the right place on the website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Just click on the store page and see whatever it is that you like. Click on a few links, send a little bit of money, and your item will be on its way. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. We love you, we thank you, and we appreciate you. <laughs>